All right, thank you for that, and thank you for being in your place tonight. It's been a great, great day so far, uh, even for a, a, a three-day weekend, and thank you for being here. We're going to look at first, uh, Second Peter today. Uh, one thing, we made a mistake, though. The training for the homes is at 12 o'clock next week, not 11 o'clock. The reason being, some of the guys in the training, they're actually doing the homes at that time. And so if you're interested in that or you've committed to be a part of it later, make sure we're there. It's going to be great. And that's a great ministry. We're glad that we have it. Tonight, I'm going to look at something, and it's it's part of a message. Sometimes I plan series, you know, and you'll, you're like, we're going we're gonna to look at a certain thing for a certain amount of weeks. Um, but this one, it's kind of like a mini-series we've gotten into on accident. Uh, over the last couple Sundays, I spoke. I didn't speak last Sunday uh, during our anniversary. But uh, we, we've been talking about quitting, okay? Now, when I say quitting, I don't mean I'm for it, okay? I mean talking about quitting, let's not quit. And um, we talked about one of the messages was in 2 Corinthians about Paul. 2 Corinthians, how Paul went through many different trials and that he found God's resources to help him to get through it. And then a couple weeks ago, we talked about um, one of the first places a solid, a solid Christian, a, a, a Christian that's been faithful to God for a while, one of the first places where they will start to backtrack or quit uh, before they will eventually leave God, I, to me, a lot of times it happens that way, and that's in serving and in sharing their faith. And so we looked at that. And so we're going to look at another area tonight. And let me just say this. We've had our theme, and, and we're getting closer to the end of the year. And, and um, to be honest with you, um, I'm already looking towards our theme for next year. But now is the time. And now is not the time to quit, though. Okay? Uh, more than ever, we need Christians that will just stay solid. They'll stay with it. They'll be not just committed, but they'll also be consistent. That's what this world needs. And it needs us more than ever. And I'm thankful we have a lot of people in our church that uh, are serious about God. But we need Christians who are serious about God. And they understand what is at stake in our society and what would be in sta at stake in their lives personally if they were to back away and quit on God. And that knowing that, they'll do whatever it takes and guard themselves and, so that they don't quit on guard, God. And none of us, I think you're a Sunday night crowd, you, wouldn't, you, you, you definitely have a, a, a step, a little more step uh, of seriousness, seriousness and commitment, but um, all of us could fall into that trap if we're not careful. And so we need to constantly guard ourselves uh, because we do have a spiritual enemy. And he's always looking at how can he pick away at what's going on and cause us to step back. And I hope that the desire of your heart is to, uh, to, stay, to stay solid with him. Um, you ever hear people make guarantees, right? You ever hear a product that says, you know, it'll tell you it's going to do some wonderful thing, and it gives you a 100% money-back guarantee. How many have ever heard that? Well, let me translate that for you. It doesn't work like it says. Okay, it's easy to make guarantees. Sometimes, uh, as I mentioned, some of the guys would come over our house uh, once a month, and we have, uh, we jokingly call it a Bible study, but it's fight night. We watch the fights. You have two guys fighting, all, they're always going to make a promise, I'm going to win. I know this, if there's two guys fighting, and they both promise they're going to win, one of them's wrong. I'm giving you my guarantee. I'm going to knock this guy out, and then next thing you know, he's laying on the, on the floor looking at the ceiling. Okay, he got knocked out. Guarantees aren't very, uh, guarantees in the human realm aren't very, aren't very uh, uh, solid. But, you know, there are some guarantees in the scriptures. And um, when God gives a guarantee, 
He doesn't need to give you a money back, a money back guarantee because it's solid every single time. And I want to look at a guarantee here that I think will help us in the area of quitting. Of course, we, we also preached from Peter this morning. We know that Peter was writing to a group of Christians that uh, they, were, they were in a time where they were persecuted. They were mocked. Uh, they were being put down, and they weren't really taken very seriously. And so Peter is writing to that group, and he's trying to encourage them. This morning we saw how he wanted them to remember God's promises and God's divine power and, um, and how they should remember the truth of Scripture that they knew and were committed to so that they could get through whatever they were going through. As we get to chapter 3 this evening, we see that he's reminding them again at the beginning part of the chapter of, of Scripture to be, re, to, to, to be mindful of it and learn the truths that they need because people would scoff at them. And that was, that's what was going on. Now, particularly talking about the area of, of the Lord's second coming, but that's what the world does. It scoffs at Christians and it scoffs at the promises of God. And I'm sure we've all heard, heard it like, you know, if you're a Christian, you, you just need a crutch to lean on. Well, yeah, I'll say, yeah, I do need a crutch. And I'm glad that God's crutch is really, really powerful. And by the way, if you don't think you need a crutch, you're not living life, okay? There's a lot that's going on in this world that I just don't understand, I don't comprehend, and I'm glad that God does. And I'm glad that God can help me with that. All of us need truth. And not only, not only will they chip away at us, they're going to chip away at the authority of the Scriptures, you see, we have to have an authority. There has to be an absolute truth in our life that is a bedrock that we can attach ourselves to to get through. That is why the world will attack the authority of Scripture. Because if we do not have authority from God, then who becomes the authority in our lives? Read the book of Judges. In that day there was no king, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. We be, they became their own authority. Um, by the way, and I, I won't go into it, we have books and we've taught on it. I believe there's attack even amongst Christians on the word of God. We follow the King James Bible here. And there's reasons why we do that. It's not just some half, you know, we want to stand up and yell and scream about it. I've studied the issue. There has to be an authority. And if you have two Bibles and one of them's missing verses and missing words and changing things, something's wrong there. But we need authority in our life. I understand why the world would do that because they don't want God. But you know, I've known Christians that, that they just want enough of God to, to, to appease their conscience without really getting into the truth of God. And the reason is sometimes because do we really want that authority in our life? And so we need to be careful. And I hope that you're in the place where it's like, you know what? I want God's truth in my life. And whether or not I like it, and by the way, as a new Christian, when I'd sit in church, I would hear things, and I'm like, that's crazy. And I didn't necessarily like it, and it wasn't necessarily what my life was, but I'm like, I need that. Because I want to make sure that I'm lining up, and I'm lining up with God. Peter then reminds them in the middle portion of this chapter uh, of the things that the unbelievers were scoffing about, which was the second coming, that one day it was going to be a reality. And one day this world is going to come to an end and it's going to be judgment. And they're, the very thing they were scoffing about, if they did not find the Lord, that they were going to experience. And I hope no one really experiences that. 
Because, uh, and so they needed that. Verse 14, he says, of chapter 1, if you'll, uh, you'll leave it there. He says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, the Lord's coming and all that, and all that be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And, 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 and blameless. And so our theme is now is the time, and now is the time for us to be tuned in to the Scripture. And knowing the time, it should cause us to draw, want to be closer to God, not quit on God. Okay? Um, so then we come to the last two verses in the book here. And he tells them that because they know the things from the Scripture, several things would be true. First, he said, they wouldn't be led astray in error. Look at verse 17 of chapter 3. He says, ye therefore, beloved, seeing that you know these things, beware, lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked. It's very easy, not very easy. Well, it is if we're not careful. We could fall into error if we aren't careful. And not just, and by the way, it's not just doctrinal, the error of the wicked. It could be error in the way that we're living. And by the way, that's just as dangerous. If we have the wrong belief system, it's going to lead to the wrong, it's going to lead to the wrong lifestyle. The principles, on by, by the way, which live. And so we don't want to be led astray. By the way, greater men than myself and greater people than you have been led astray. That's why we must always be uh, vigilant, and we must always be caref careful about that. He also said that, that they shouldn't fall away from their steadfastness. You being led astray with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. If there's anything that a Christian should strive for, and there's many things, but one of the things is just faithfulness, Amen. consistency, we, and a commitment that says, yes, I'm in, and I'm not going to go away, and I'm going to stick to this thing. Now, there's a lot that's entailed with that. We need to be careful, and we need to guard ourselves. But if we don't have a commitment to be steadfast, but I'll say this, just because we begin to be steadfast doesn't mean we will continue to be steadfast. It's something we always need to be careful about. It's something we need to always guard ourselves. And then he says there's a that the way to the guarantee to me, the success, is to continue to grow in grace and to grow in the scriptures, which he was referring to. He says you'll fall away, but he says in verse 18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Well, that ought to be the desire of our hearts. And that what we talked about this morning. We need to constantly be pushing forward in our faith. We need to constantly be striving to grow closer to the Lord, to know him better, to know the word of God, to know what it is saying, and to make it a part of my life. No one's ever going to get to the place where it's like, I know it all, right? Now, I've known some people that think they know it all, but listen, this book is inexhaustible, okay? You're I mean, we could study it and study it and study it, and we should, but it has more truth than we can ever get. And God gives us the truth we need from this book when we need it. We need to be faithful to it. The point is, that guarantees that we will continue in our faith and not quit. That's the key right there. As I continue this series, I want us to look at that one resource, the Word of God, which can guarantee that we can stay faithful committed, and consistent to God. That's it. We can, we can you know, every, you know, the seven, uh, you know, and I like, I like to read, and I like things like that, and I like simple, right? You know, eight steps to this. Uh, 
I know it's clickbait or whatever, or it's reading bait or whatever, but I like that because I like simple. Like, just give it to me in order and let's go. And sometimes we oversimplify things. This, you can't oversimplify. The Word of God is the key to everything in the Christian life. And if we want to know one thing in this world, we got to know the Word of God. It is the thing that guarantees success from a biblical standpoint. It is the thing that guarantees that we have, we have strength in our life. It is the thing that guarantees God's provisions in our life, and it's the things that guarantees profitability in our life. Let me just quote a few scriptures before we get to where I'm going. We understand the principle of success in Psalms. Chapter 1, verse 2, he goes, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And what happens if we do that? And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I like that because, I, like I mentioned this morning, I hate the desert. I don't even like driving through it. It's just ugly, and it's hot, right? And I just, I like green. You know, my wife's from Washington, even where the middle part of it, she lives more in the little bit of the barren part of the state. But I just love, you go up the coast or you go, it's green. And it's like, it's just, it's just you know, I kind of get into that. That's what it is as a Christian. When, when we are in the word of God and we delight in the word of God, it's, we're like a tree that's not planted where there is no resource, no water. It's planted by the water, so it's constantly growing. That's what God says. And the success he talks about is the success God would want us to have from the scriptures. There's no reason for a Christian not to be able to live for God. Because the scriptures guarantee that. If we'll delight in them. Joshua talks about the word of God when it comes to strength. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9. He says only, and by the way, he's talking to Joshua who is a military leader as well as the leader. But he's going to lead them militarily into the promised land. And so God's going to prepare him for that. You would think, you know, well, military is going to give him, he gives him instructions later, but he gives him the key to success. He says, verse 7, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. That was the, the scriptures, what they had at that time. Which Moses, my servant, commanded thee, turn not to the right hand to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of the mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. He says you need to be strong, and you need to be, know the word of God, and it's got to be everything in your life. And then he says, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have great success. Verse 9, have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. You know, there's a lot of things in this world we can be fearful of. There's a lot of things in this world that, that can be a, of a concern to us. But you know, if we're in the word of God, it's not as much a concern as we think of. That's where faith comes in. And he says, Joshua, you're going to face some things. You're going to face some battles. But if you meditate on the word of God, if the word of God is everything to you, you'll be strong and you'll be successful in what I have for you to do. It's the word of God. The word of God is profitable. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. Those four things. We've looked at those before. But profitable mean, means it, it, it gives us something. 
It gives us more than our investment. Your time, you're investing in the word of God and searching, learning the truths and listening to all those different things. The doctrine, the correction, the proof, the reproof, the instruction of righteousness. That time we put in there, we get far more out of it than we put into it. It's profitable to us. It helps us. And then verse 17, it gives us provision that the man of God may be perfect. That means mature. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. In other words, furnish. You think of a house. It's empty, right? You move in, you furnish it. It has everything it needs. The Bible gives us everything we need to make it in this life. What guarantees that we won't quit? It's the word of God. Now, what I want to do in the few minutes we have here, I want us to look at a couple Bible characters and situations in their life and how the word of God helped them not to quit. Because that's what the word of God does. Turn over to Jeremiah chapter 19. We're going to switch. That was introduction to this. And, and let me give you a couple thoughts tonight. I want to look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah was someone who didn't quit because of discouragement. Okay? And again, why? Because of the word of God. Jeremiah chapter 19. We're going to look at verse 14. And we're going to read through to chapter 20 and verse 9. It said, Then came Jeremiah from Topet whether the Lord had sent him to prophesy. And he stood in the court of the Lord's house and said to all the people, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring upon this city and upon all her towns all the evil that I have pronounced against it, because they have hardened their necks that they may not hear my words. Let me give you the story. We understand that they're about to go into captivity into Babylon for their rebellion. They're going to go for 70 years. Babylon was a very strong country, and they were very, they were very uh, unmerciful. If they took you over, there was going to be a lot of death and a lot of shame. And so this is going to happen to them. God had warned them. The time for God to intervene was over because of their rebellion. So God says, here's, if you want to get the best out of this loss, here's what you do. Surrender. Don't make Babylon, don't make Babylon tear down the wall. Just surrender to them because this is from me. This is not from them. Could you imagine if we had an enemy knocking on our door and we're going to go to, we have to go to war to fight, defend ourselves, and I got up and said, hey, God says, give up. Now, how many of you think, and this is America, how many think that'd go over very well? Yeah, can, can I just tell you something about America's, Americans? Well, we're starting to get this way. We don't give up. We're like, you want, you, you know, you want to fight? Let's, we'll, we'll, let's go. You throw the first punch, we'll throw the next 20. All right? That's the, and so Jeremiah is preaching a very unpopular message. Don't fight. Just give up, and God will give you your spell, your life. Well, that didn't go over very well. And so here's what happens. Look at verse 1 of chapter 20. Now, Pasher, the son of Imler, the priest, who was also chief governor of the house of the Lord, think he'd know better, heard that Jeremiah prophesies these things. <laughs> very unpopular. Then Pasher smote Jeremiah the prophet. Okay, you think that he would have been on board spiritually. He was off. Even the, even the prophets of those days, the false ones were saying that they're going to win. And put him in stocks that were in the high gate of Benjamin, which is by the house of the Lord. You know, stocks, your, your hands, your feet, your head. I mean, it's not good. And it's usually out in the open where you're embarrassed by everybody. And it came to pass in the morrow that Pasher brought Jeremiah out of the stocks. Now he brings him out. Then said Jeremiah unto him, you've got to admire his courage. This guy just locked him up. He lets him out, and Jeremiah tells him what he thinks, what God wanted him to know. Came to pass that, uh, that uh, let me see, verse uh, 
4, 3. And it came to pass on the morrow that Pasher brought forth Jeremiah the stalks. Then said Jeremiah unto him, The Lord hath not called thy name Pasher, but Magor Misabib. For thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will make thee a terror to thyself and to all thy friends, and they shall fall by the sword of their enemies, and thy eyes shall behold it. And I will give all Judah into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall there carry them captive into Babylon, and shall slay him with the sword. Moreover, I will deliver all the strength of the city, and all the labors thereof, and all the precious things, and all the treasures of the kings of Judah, and I will give them in the hand of their enemies, which spoil them, and take them, and carry them to Babylon." And thou, Pasher, and all that dwell in thine house shall go into captivity, and thou shalt come to Babylon, and there thou shalt die, and shalt be buried there. Thou and all thy friends to whom thou prophesies lies. You know what we call that? We call that a man. I, I got to be honest. I like that. By the way, sidebar, if you're a man, sometimes you got to just stand up and say what's right. Uh, we have way far too many uh, feminine men in our ranks, right? It's like, by the way, let me say, if, if you and your family don't sometimes, you know, use the word no. If sometimes your family looks at you like, what was that all about? You're not doing your job, okay? Hey, we all think this is a good idea. And you think, and you know spiritually it's not a good idea. Step up and say, bad idea, and then here's the next phrase. We ain't doing that. Well, I don't want my wife to be mad. I'd rather have her be mad because I'm a man than push me around like I'm a wimp. By the way, that's why our families are a mess. I just got a word of knowledge here. Because men don't stand up. You say, well, my wife is, is standing up. I know, because you won't. And I'm not talking about being rude. I'm not talking about being mean-spirited. I'm talking about being spiritual and saying, listen, I'm looking at the scriptures and that's not the right thing. You know what we've done? We've feminized our men. It started when we started dressing like girls. That, that's that whole thing. And then we're switching the roles. And I'm not saying, guys, you know, me caveman, you woman. <clears throat> that, that, that doesn't work. You're rude. But I'm just talking about looking spiritually and being the spiritual leaders in your families. Okay? It, you know, I haven't had it in a while, but someone will come in, they're irritated, and, or, or there, there's a disagreement on something, and, and, and you know, the, hey, the wife's going to talk, and the guy just kind of sits in the background like, it's like, I don't want to talk to her. He's in the room, let's talk to him. Now, I'll talk to both of you, don't get me wrong. But, but we need men, I'm just sorry. And, and, and it's, it's, it's killing us. Your children need you to be a man. That was free. But I find it interesting that after Jeremiah stands up, discouragement set in. Look at verse 7. O Lord, thou hast deceived me, and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I, and hast prevailed. I am in derision daily, and everyone mocketh me. And by the way, uh, except for the part about God deceiving them, the stuff about mocking and derision, that was true, though, by the way. It was true. For since I spake, I cried out, I cried violence and spoil, spoil, because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me and a derision daily. Here's this guy, and he's a man. And he stands up, and then as he walks away, he starts thinking about everything that's going on, and he gets discouraged. And he's like, man, everything I say and do, it's like I'm being... I'm being pushed down. By the way, King Zedekiah would call him in. 
privately and say, hey, is there any word from the Lord? And then he'd send them back to where he was. And they wouldn't listen to him anyhow. And so he gets discouraged. That's a problem. He didn't have a popular message, and now he's getting down. But what happens? Um, Look at verse 9. Then said I, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. Do you catch that? He says, enough. I'm not going to speak for God anymore. I'm not going to preach for you, and it's worse than that. Nor I'm not even going to preach about you. I'm done. I've had it. He, in his mind, he quit. But I'm so glad that the verse doesn't end there. Look at what he says after that. But, that always means the opposite of what was just being said is going to come. And this is a good one. Sometimes it's bad. People are like, you know, I love the Lord and I want to serve him, but I'm like, stop. But I like it when it's like, man, I feel like quitting and I'm discouraged, but that's a good one. So here's the good one. You ready? But his word was in my heart as a burning fire, shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing but I could not stay. Let me unpack that for you. He said, I quit. I've had enough. I'm not going to preach for you, and I'm not going to preach about you. I'm done. But his word was in my heart. And not only that, it was like a burning fire. It was like, I'm trying to quit, and God's word saying, don't do that. I've told you how everything's going to go. He goes, and I was weary with forbearing. He goes, I got tired of trying to quit. I got tired of fighting God's word. And he kept going. That's what the Bible does. All of us have times like that. I'm sure all of us have had hard times in our life. In the, and I don't like to use the word, but we'll use it, our secular or practical areas, and then even in spiritual areas. And we get discouraged. By the way, didn't many of God's servants get discouraged? Gideon was Remember Elijah? I mean, Elijah stood up to 850, I think it was, false prophets. He called fire from heaven, and then he runs to a cave when Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you, and says, God, kill me. I'm tired of this. I don't understand that. But it's human. All of us have been discouraged at one time or another. All of us, we can look at spiritual things sometimes, and I don't understand what's going on, and we get down. But you know what keeps us going? Scripture. That's why if you're not in the Scriptures, if the Scripture's not in you, you have no ammunition to burn in your heart. Have you ever had a Jeremiah moment? I remember when I was, I had, I, you know my story, I'm not going to give it, but I, was, I went to church for one year when I, got right, when I got right with God. I'd only been in church one year my whole life. Pastor says, go to Bible college. I'm like, okay, he thinks I should go to Bible college, I'll go. So I went. Here was my plan for Bible college. I had no plan. I went because pastor said it was a good idea. I'm standing in line. Pastor Esposito sees me standing in line. I'm registering. He goes, what are you majoring in? I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, no, you have to major in something. I'm all, I just thought, I'm going to Bible college. I'm going to learn the Bible. I'm like, okay. And he's like, uh, he said, you know, Pastor Esposito, if you remember. He goes, you know, Steve, 
the people that usually end up doing things for God, they just take pastoral theology. Like, okay, I'll take pastoral theology. What was that? I don't know. But it sounded good. So I took pastoral theology. And I'm just going. No plan, no clue, no calling. Just, I'm here to grow as a Christian and get better. So I go that first year. I'm a California kid. Okay, it's cold when it gets 65 or less. Right? My first winter there, I, we're going out bus calling. It's 10 in the morning. I turn on the radio. The temperature today is a life-threatening 81 below zero. I'm like, I caught those two words. Life-threatening. That was with wind chill factor, people. And we were out like 12 hours. Now, we spent a lot of time fellowshipping and discipling at people's houses. But I'm just going there just to learn the word of God and to grow, and God's working on me. And I remember we got, we, we, it just, you know, I had this ridiculous schedule. I'm not sleeping. I'm working ridiculous hours. I'm, and we're in Indiana. I'm working in Chicago. We got in this car. We're going to work. And most of the college students' cars were like, you know, they should have been registered as antiques. So we're working third shift. We take off. It is freezing cold. It is snowing a little bit. And the car breaks down in the middle of nowhere. You know, no cell phones. We get out of here, we're, we're walking, we're thumbing, we're freezing to death. We finally got a, found a, cell phone, a telephone and called our boss, and he threatened us for not showing up. It's like we're in the middle of a snowfield. You know, give me a break. And then we hitchhike home. I get home, it's, it's like 3 in the morning, miss work, they threaten me, I'm freezing. You know, it, it was well below 65 degrees, that's my threshold. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. The only reason I'm here is because my pastor told me to come. I don't want to have anything to do with this. I'm tired of it. I'm like, I'm just going to go home. I don't need to be in Bible college. It's nuts. And I'm, now I had a habit where I would read a proverb every single day. And so it's 3 in the morning. I'm going to get about three hours sleep, and then school's going to start. So I thought, I'm going to read my proverb of the day. Here it was. I'm in my dorm room. Those guys are snoring. It was Proverbs chapter 24. I think it was like October, I think it was January 24th. Here's, here's what I read. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Now I was reading the chapter and I stopped when I read that. I said, let's, let's, let's have a theological thing here. If thou faint, that means quit. In the day of adversity, when there's hard times, Thy strength is small. You're weak. That's, I'm laying on my bed, and I'm like, I just said I'm going to quit college, faint, because I had a really bad night, adversity, and then God finished the rest. You're weak. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, don't you call me a quitter. And I'm, before I went to bed for those couple hours, I'm like, that's dumb. I'm not quitting. I'm going to stick it out. But, you know, if I wouldn't have read my Bible that day, and I'm like, you know, and I love my home. I could go home to my home church. It was great, you know. And, and, but, but God spoke to me. There's nothing wrong with sometimes having no hard times. That thought starts to creep in. But don't let it stay. Don't let it stay. You know, I often thought, what would have happened if I had quit? You know, I probably wouldn't be the pastor of this church. Some of you are like, man, you should have quit. Say, <laughs> so I'm not happy about that. Well, don't read Proverbs. 
I definitely wouldn't have my wife. She'd probably be happy about that. She's in the nursery. Don't tell her I said this, okay? I wouldn't have my kids. A lot of things in my life I would have lost out on. That started out because I stayed in college. God had certain for me to be there. What are we going to lose out on because we're letting things that happen in our life dictate what we do? By the way, you're going to get discouraged. Sometimes we struggle with your, you struggle with your health. I understand that. That's, that's a difficult thing. You know, sometimes people are like, man, I'm doing everything I can. I'm trying to exercise. I'm trying to do this. I'm eating salad, whatever it is. And, and, and man, my health just isn't what it is. You know, I call that, there's sometimes we have health-related issues because we're not doing things we should. But sometimes it's just what you call DNA. Do nothing about it. It's just, it is what it is. And I get it that you get discouraged. Maybe it's, you know, results in your life. You're doing right, you're trying to do the right things, and it seems sometimes like the more you try to do the right things, the more wrong things happen. You know, you remember the saying, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going? I read a comic years ago, and it said, when the going gets tough, the tough get going, but when the tough get going, the going gets tougher. Okay, that's kind of how we think. Like, it's like a Job situation. It's like there comes another, there comes another, there comes another, there comes another. I get it. Maybe you're struggling in relationships. You have some situations and maybe things aren't working out right. And sometimes we bring this into our, um, we, we get saved and we bring, some, we bring some of that baggage from when we weren't saved into our life. And we have to deal with it. By the way, let me just say this, if, if you have a, a, a problem with relationship, you have to do, look at it first, am I the source of the problem? Or can I do my part? That's all you can do. You, you can't control other people, but you can control you. And sometimes it just doesn't work out, and we get discouraged. By the way, if you don't deal with it, bitterness will creep in. And so we don't want that. But we just do the best we can. Maybe you're struggling with your career and your work, right? You're like, man, you don't see the importance of what you're doing or you feel like maybe God has something else and you're not sure about things. Keep working and figure that out, but don't get down. Sometimes we struggle with our finances. You're doing what you're supposed to do and you're being faithful to God and all those things and sometimes it just gets tight. We get down. By the way, just make sure you're doing the best you can. And sometimes it's just loneliness, you know, someone was here visiting today, and I was talking to him, and he's like, you know, I just uh, recently, within the last couple of years, he lost his wife of 41 years. That'd be tough. That'd be tough. And I understand discouragement coming in. Sometimes singles like, I'll never get married. I'm like, 21. I'm like, wow. Struggling with friends. You don't have friends you should. You know, it's funny. We have all this media now, and and all this way to connect with people. And yet we're lonelier than ever. You know, it'd be better to have friends that aren't necessarily only online. Right? I always find it funny. I'll go out to eat with my wife. And we're sitting there. And I always look around. And you see it. Every, and you see it. There'll be a family sitting around a table. They went out to eat together. And they're all under devices. I'm like, save money. Go pick up anything but McDonald's, bring it home, and you can do that. I mean, it's like we, 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 we don't even know how to socially interact with each other. 
And we can be in a room with a lot of people and, and our whole life is at screen and we don't know how to develop real godly friendships. By the way, that shouldn't be the case in a church. Church ought to be the easiest place to make friends. By the way, you're the core crowd. We have a lot of newer people coming on Sunday mornings. Hey, let's make sure that we're reaching out to them. They need friends. Where are they going to get them? Right? I, I tell our staff, like, practice the, uh, practice, I don't know, the five-minute rule. After church, don't talk to anybody you know for five minutes. That's easy to do. Go find someone that's new. Hey, thank you for being here. What's your name? Talk to them. I'm thankful when I went to church, there was people there that would talk to me and get to know me because I didn't know anybody. But we're lonely. There's so many different things that can happen to us to cause us to get discouraged. But hope comes from God's word. But we have to know it. The reason Jeremiah wanted to quit and couldn't is because he had that deep relationship and God spoke to him. Now, I understand he didn't have the scriptures and God spoke to him directly, but it was still God's word. And all that discouragement, he just couldn't quit. By the way, we've all went through those moments. Understand we can't hold on to his promises if we don't know what they are. By the way, there's so many good promises in his word. That's why when you read your Bible, if something speaks to you and it really hits you, make note of it. Whether you write it in your Bible or you put it on a, you put it on a card or whatever, take it with you that day. Let it speak to your heart. Let it be with you all day long. You know how it is. You read your Bible. If you read your Bible regularly, you're going to get a verse sometimes and like you face it that day. Or you faced it yesterday. Not every day. But God knows what you need when you need it. We can't feel his presence if we are not daily in his word. We, we have too much of, and I'm all for emotion by the way. But we have too much of this emotional type Christianity. Where, you know, I got to be plugged into a light socket. Everything's got to be electric. Life isn't about electricity. It isn't. Relations, by the way, it's like a relationship. You know, you get married and it's but if, all, if you're only living for the honeymoon phase, you miss everything else out in life. You live for the times together on vacation. What about just the everyday being together in life? Those are the most important moments. Same is true with God, just being in his presence each and every day. Letting him speak to you. We can't continue to live for him if we're not hearing from him. We can't serve him if we're not in the scriptures. We'll stop here tonight. What's the point? The word of God is the key to not quitting. And we're all going to hit hard times. We're all going to hit those times. All of us. I've hit it. You're going to hit it or you have hit it. And you say, man, what do you do? Sometimes you get up and the word of God is just so, so, you know, it's just like, man, I can't get enough. And other times you read it and it's like, I got something out of it, but it wasn't. But you keep feeding yourself. Because there's going to come a time you need that. And that's what God's going to use to get you through the hard times. But if you don't have any intimate knowledge of the scriptures, if you're not growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no wood to start a fire with. So I encourage you. You want to keep going for God? Look, I, I, don't, I, I, I don't, you know, we're all excited. We've been here for whatever amount of time we've been here. That's great. But what are you going to be 20 years from now? God's looking for Christians that don't last. The average, the statistics tell us, the average church member lasts seven years. And I have found that most of the time when people leave a church, they really don't find another one. But God is measuring your Christianity not in years, but in decades. I hope we have the same mentality. Uh, like we got married, till death do us part. Lord, I'm in. Till death do us part.
you got to be in the scriptures. So when that emotional time comes, and it's going to come, when that time comes, like, God, what's going on? There's a fire in here that says, don't quit. Let's bow our head and close our eyes for a minute, if we may. I know in a room this size, somebody's got to be going through a difficult time. And by the way, we have a spiritual enemy that uses those times. He does. Satan's on top of everything. Him and his hordes of demons, they know what's going on. They're looking for it. He's looking who he may devour, and sometimes he devours us by tripping us up with discouragement. Well, is God really on your side? I mean, you know, you're trying to do the right thing, and, and just look how everything's turning out. But those promises of Scripture are in here burning like fire. I want that spiritual heartburn. I hope that's what you have today, because that guarantees you can make it when you don't feel like going forward anymore. Let's stand together. The Word of God can help Jeremiah, who faced things that we haven't faced yet. He can help you. The piano's going to pay. If God spoke to you at all, why don't you come? We've got to be committed to His Word. I love church, and I love you being here, and I want you here every service, but if you're not in the Word of God, it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a struggle.